Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Iom. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. And it would be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you live in the Philadelphia area or anywhere close... You should know that SketchyBitter is going live and in person on Sunday, February 19th at 2 p.m. at Tattooed Mom at 5th and South Street. We'll be in the second floor space, so bring some sketches, grab a drink and a sandwich, and let's read some sketches. All the information can be found at SketchyBitter.com and TattooedMomPhilly.com. There's also a Facebook event page somewhere. We've reached the point of the year where I get super hyped about my friends at Toronto SketchFest but also a little bummed that I won't be there in person this year. Toronto Sketch Fest runs from March 8th to the 19th with about 60 acts. That also means we've reached the point where I talk to a bunch of the writers and performers who will be participating at Toronto Sketch Fest this year. For example, today's guest is Alicia Carrick, currently a member of Big Chick Energy based in Toronto. Big Chick Energy will be performing two shows at Toronto Sketch Fest. First, on Thursday, March 9th with Chelsea Larkin, at 8 p.m. and Friday, March 10th with Acuna Acuna at 7 p.m. Both of those shows are at the BMO Incubator at Theater Center. Alicia's first sketch is called Chain. Alicia reads the roles of Kathy the mother and Chain, her young adult son. I read the roles of Tom the father, the manager yelling from off screen, and I also give you all the visual information that you need to know. And for a little edit treat, you can watch the live version of this sketch on the Big Chick Energy YouTube page and it's probably embedded over at myfirstsketch.com. So let's go to the sketch. Kathy, late 40s, sits across from her husband, Tom. I'm worried we're being harsh, Tom. We have the space. Jane can decide what he wants to do with all those damn fidget spinners, Kath. Let's say the mantra. Kathy and Tom hold hands across the table. I spoiled, I spoiled my, son. my son, but now, now I am I'm done. done. I'm spoiled my, my son, son, but, but now, now I am, I am done. done. A text notification. Can't get together this weekend. Gotta grind. Sorry. Hashtag goals. Classic. Who knew that buying him an iPhone for his fifth birthday would have resulted in this, huh? We didn't know, honey. We didn't know. The server chain approaches the table. Welcome to Garfield Eats! Whoa, Mom and Dad, why are you in the city? We were going to drop off your spinner collection. Son, why aren't you at the office? I didn't want you to find out this way, but I quit my job. Quit? Tom? Chain, do you know how much money I had to pay to get you that job at Lino Burnett? The strings I had to pull with your grades? Your personality? What your father means to say is that we are surprised by this news because we thought you lived for your job. You know, hashtag grind life, hashtag word, hashtag six god. It's all a facade, mom. You gave up on a good opportunity, Chain. You have nothing else to fall back on. This was the plan for you. Tom, mantra, now! I spoiled my son, but now I am done. I spoiled my son, but now I am done. Tom takes a deep breath, calming himself. Congratulations, son. I am happy for you. 
What do you mean spoiled? Oh, my little Cheney Cheney bang bang. You're not spoiled. You're perfect. Kathy stands up to give her son a hug. She feels she's made him sad. Kathy, remember the three C's. No coddling, no cuddling, no consoling. Oh, thank you, Tom. Phew, if I could feel myself slipping there. The restaurant manager of Garfield Eats yells from offstage. Chain! Don't forget to upsell the John sodas and kitty treats. <laughs> Chain looks in the direction of the manager, looks back at his parents, looks back to the ma- direction of the manager, looks back to his parents. Oh, I don't, I, I don't understand. Son, you came into our lives when we were in love with making money on the internet. We worked constantly, and in our spare time, we sat on screens in separate rooms instead of nurturing you. We all fell victim to the hustle lifestyle. You became consumed by your job, ignored healthy work-life balance, and may, in fact, be dealing with a permanent misery and anxiety as a byproduct. (laughs) Whoops! (laughs) So, does this mean you're not disappointed? Kathy and Tom look around the restaurant, then at one another. They slowly begin nodding as if they're trying to convince themselves they don't care. Not at all. Sort of, though. Okay, awesome. Because guess who has two thumbs, took an improv class last week, turns out they're a natural, and is going to be the next Greg Proops. Chain directs two thumbs up towards his face. This guy. Chain, be sure to recommend the lasagna ice cream for dessert. And John and Kathy facepalm. Blackout. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. My name is Samantha Russell. I'm a sketch comedian, and I have a prop and costume hoarding problem. So I figured the best way to get it under control is to start a podcast. On Should I Keep This? I chat with other comedians about their experiences in comedy and our insane prop and costume collections. And on each episode, we both bring a beloved item to discuss whether it's a treasure or just trash. Sometimes it turns out no matter how much money or time we spent on a prop, the only thing we should be holding on to are the memories we've made along the way. So check out Should I Keep This? We have new episodes every two weeks available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, Alicia. Hey, Josh. How are you? Tell me about the sketch. Okay, so what you just heard was the first staged sketch I've ever written. Um, And it was, it's uh, just about a rich kid. (laughs) So this was first thing that you ever got to stage. Correct. Um, So Big Chick Energy had their first show. I think it was early March 2020. We were a troupe for not even a month. And we had our first show and then the world shut down. So (laughs) that was it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then like we were, we we filmed it. We filmed all of our shows just to do the play by play after. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember being like, Ooh, mama needs some help with her writing. And I'm getting that help over time. (laughs) So how, how did it go on stage for you? Like, 
how, how did it feel when you were on stage or were you in it? And no, we were okay. doing like a, uh, we were going to direct our sketches just to try that out. And then we uh, instilled the rule of if you're going to write a sketch, you be the main character and be in it as well as direct. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah. I feel like I can argue it both ways of like. Because I, I, <laughs> I, I thought I, I, I love to play a mom. Um, but then I, we were just like, okay, so I'll, I'll direct, I'll direct the girls, which was cool too, because, um, it's yeah. Directing is fun as well. And it's good to kind of exercise that muscle as well. Because like on one hand, I always feel like, you know, when I perform things I've written, I've written and rewritten so much that I'm already like, I, I'm already half memorized. So yeah. like, I'm, you know, I have that head start, so I want to keep going and just, I might as well just do it myself. That makes perfect sense. But at the same time, seeing it, you know, out, you know, out of your own eyes and directing it makes perfect sense too. Like it was a cool exercise for sure. And I I appreciated. um, So Emily is in our uh, troop, big chick energy. And um, she's kind of like a Jack of all trades type person. Uh, She has like made movies, feature length films. And uh, I was in one of her, web series called venture shark she was actually somebody that i met in second city improv and uh she was like hey wanna uh, kind of cast you in something and just like wanna like a excited person who always has projects on the go and so she was kind of the first person that i met who was actively filming and writing stuff and just needed bodies to like make her dreams come true her vision to life and um uh, she was like, okay, let's let's direct each other just to kind of exercise that. And so I thought that was neat. And um, looking back at it, I was like, okay, wow, there's like no movement, <laughs> no movement on <laughs> so, stage. <laughs> all right. So you weren't in it that first. So how does it feel like that first night that you see it performed in front well, of other people? It, oh, it was it was kind of like flatline. Like it, it hardly got laughs, and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it was a big challenge for me to like kind of write something and finish it, because I I felt and often feel, still do, that like I have ideas, but I my writing is not where I. I mean, I'm in the process of growing as a writer, if you will. Mm. Like I, um, and Second City right now is helping big time with that. Like um, even just being in the second city conservatory program before the pandemic versus like who I am now kind of as a performer, so different, so different. And I think it really depends on who your instructors are, who is mentoring along the way um, and also confidence. And so I think doing my first show with Big Chick Energy was like kind of terrifying. Um, But to see something like that you put together or that you put on paper on stage, I think that was just like a a tick of a box of like, hey, I did one, I did one sketch. Like that's yeah, great. I, I did the first one. I can do another one. <laughs> yeah. And they're bound to get better. And I have a team of gals who are supportive, who would be like, okay, you can punch this up. But, you know, early days, we were kind of like just getting to know each other. Um, mm. And so maybe there wasn't as many punch ups as maybe there would be now. <laughs> so when you mentioned that, you know, the first show was right before the pandemic, March 2020, was this ever done again? No. Okay. It's never seen the light of day. Hasn't seen, okay. Mm-hmm. So I can't even ask, like, what is it like now versus this? I mean, I mean, before we start talking, before we start recording, you mentioned that you think a character was already killed. Like you that that ma- that manager character 
Yeah, I don't, you don't like, remember. The, you might have already killed it. I, I believe we did, and I feel like that version too. I don't. I don't even think that was uh, what we put on stage. I may have even fucked up sending you that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's on fine. YouTube though. It's on First, YouTube. And so I'm it like, is out. Okay, it's cringe. <laughs> so we can definitely go watch it and figure it out. Um, so let's go before we get into mm-hmm. you know big chick energy and everything. Let's mm-hmm. go all the way back to the beginning. Do you have like an earliest memory of comedy? Like as a oh. kid or like what you were into? My dad was always into theater. Um, so growing up in Windsor, um, so my dad was an English teacher and his best friend that he knew from university was also, uh, or was a drama teacher. And his name is Brian Raisbeck. And he started a theater company that lasted, I, I want to say like 25, 30 years in Windsor called Theater Alive. And um, they would do a show every year. And my dad was often cast in it or would audition. Um, and uh, even I, like my brother and I and sister, uh, we would be in the choir or something. So there was certainly some theater going around the Carrick house. Uh, and like my dad was like Daddy Warbucks and Annie, Captain <laughs> Hook, um, Fagin and Oliver Twist. And so there was definitely some theater. And then I don't know. I think I was kind of like the ham in class, like not necessarily the asshole class clown. Like I certainly had some talkings too, but I was like just uh, maybe the drama kid of the class. And in grades, I think seven and eight, we had drama Fridays and those were, those were my jam. (laughs) So it, so it all starts with theater for you more than like, Yeah. yeah. Do you have like a favorite role Mm -hmm. from your teenage years? Teenage years. I wasn't teenage college, like that whole, you know, the whole, you know, what, anything, anything that you ever done? Like what's your favorite thing that you've done so far? Oh, I, mm, in high school, I wasn't, we didn't really have plays in high school, but growing up in in grade school, um, there were some teachers that like you had to be involved in the school play. And so it was often choir. I never had a big role in those school plays, but I remember taking like, um, like a theater alive summer camps and loving that and had like just a I was like the role of a, a grandmother <laughs> and I remember just like putting on a on a voice and being like oh this is great <laughs> um, I was, 11 I was, years old yeah yeah being grandmother already <laughs> rushing it because I was always tall like you can't see me but I'm six foot one okay yeah so uh if there was anyone old it would be like okay you're obviously you're obviously the oldest character <laughs> yeah you're, you're clearly older than every other little pipsqueak that's yeah. around you're literally 90 so <laughs> um and then i remember being winnie the pooh in a theater production of winnie the pooh like a summer camp um and i was wearing like these green modrobes and i remember going to the mall being like i need to find yeah do, do you guys remember modrobes they were like just like a scrub pant that a nurse would wear and they had a popular moment in, and just a drawstring. I, I don't think I've ever heard them just called that, but yeah, I mean, I know it, that, that was the brand. Sure. Yes, okay. yes, okay. And like a lot of like people wearing like an orange back in the day or a yellow. And I remember the, like I went to like West Forty Nine and it was like a skateboard shop. They only had green, and I was like, I'm gonna be the worst Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> and no one's gonna know that I'm Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> How dare you wear green as Winnie oh, the Pooh? Oh my God, Piglet's gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, uh, I think in high school I didn't do any. I was just like in the drama um, classes, and then University of Windsor. Um, I was in drama and communications, but at the University of Windsor, the BA actors program, like I wasn't allowed to do, like I wasn't allowed to be in an acting. Uh, or not like I wasn't allowed to be in the plays because I was a double major. 
I would take maybe I've like a voice that. class. Yeah, what the hell is this? And so I, I, I took a voice class, a storytelling class, a directing class, movement classes, but never could be in the productions for the University of Windsor. Um, and I feel like I resent that a little bit. And then I kind of just became fearful of stage for so long. And yeah. So what precipitates the, I mean, I, so clearly you go to school because you want to do drama, you don't do theater, but then I apparently think, you, you scare the stage out of yourself. Yes. I think that's truly what I did. And looking back, I, I really wish I ha like had the guts to audition to be like a stage actor. But I think in my head, I was like, I had two academic parents, um, like pursuing comedy, well, never pursuing acting wasn't seen as like something worthwhile. You know, yeah. it was, my mom worked for the government and she was like, oh, get a good government job. And no offense, mom, but I was like, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's a badass. She was a human rights um, worker for 30 years. Um, Still doesn't so, sound fun. No, definitely not. She's seen the underbelly <laughs> of the world. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Um, I mean, that sounds great and, and fantastic. Yes. But awful yes. at the same but time. Awful. <laughs> totally awful. Yeah. Dealing with like harassment cases in the workplace, all this stuff. And, um, but yeah, so I did the communication side to like maybe get into marketing, advertising. I'm like, but I think all the while I was like, that's not me. That's not me. And it was only the last maybe few years where I'm like, I think I'd really like to focus on acting comedy because it's what brings me joy. And mm -hmm. these are the times. <laughs> yeah go for it um yeah. so when it comes to comedy like what were your comedy influences i was crushing snl and mad tv uh as a 12 13 14 15 year old like every weekend it, making turkey sandwiches with my friend nicole so <laughs> turkey sandwich at late at night for mad tv okay mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um yeah. i i'm always so curious about mad tv because I remember watching it like I would watch the first half hour of it before SNL and then I switched to SNL, obviously. Yes, yes. Um, but, you know, becoming the comedy nerd or, or comedy dork that I am, I can see the tiptoes of the other like comedy. Like to me, Mad TV veers into like the groundlings where the groundlings are very much let's create a character and let's have that character explore or whatever. And I feel like that's Mad TV because every great sketch on that TV is more of a character than it is necessarily like a parody of yes. Where SNL does more parody, more social commentary. There's a ton of character on that TV. Now, Grant, looking back 15 years ago, a lot of them were problematic. Oh yeah. Some issues with some of them. But oh like, yeah. Tons um, of them. <laughs> and I'm not revisited mad, you know, like I, you know, I don't think I've gone back, but I just know that it was, yeah, like I think even then we knew that Miss Swan oh. <laughs> should have been an issue. Um. <laughs> God, I mean, I think of Alex Borstein and um, what's the Miss Maisel? Miss yeah. Maisel, she's so good, so good. She she's won an like an Emmy for that. Like, yeah, I'm like, look where we where she's. <laughs> I can't believe that existed. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jordan Peele was on it. Mad TV. He now has an Oscar. That's bananas to me like mm -hmm. so wild um i ask everybody and since you're bringing it up uh 
favorite SNL cast member all time? I think I'd go with um, Molly Shannon. And one sketch that stands out is uh, when she does that. Because I'm 50, 50 years old. And she's Sally just so physical. That's it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. Um, it's, it's so funny because, like, that was roughly my time of discovering SNL with that cast. And Molly Shannon was always my least favorite of the women. Okay. I was way more into Sherry O'Terry and on a gas tire than i ever was on a gas tire tire as well like yes for sure and i don't know why that is i don't that's okay people hit different with different people i think it's beautiful i I don't know why i have that bias because i mean otherwise i i enjoy molly shannon like yeah but i don't know why i like the other two more it's so bizarre to me Sherry O'Terry, she just had that like sort of nervous like oh you know she was like a hyper Loved her. Um, and I also, I don't understand how she didn't become massive after the show. Yeah, I guess like, you're right. She like, should have she... gone and like had a sitcom right mm. away. And it, I feel like it would have been really good. Maybe she chose to just hang I... back a bit, like raise a fam. I don't know where I, she I went. Either. Where'd she go? <laughs> She did. Like, she shows up every once in a while and stuff, and it's always mm-hmm. great when she does. I just wish there was more. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Molly, uh, maybe it was a height thing. No. But I uh, like her and <laughs> Anna as well, like uh, the sweaty balls radio bit. Yeah. Uh, classic. But God, I haven't like gone back to watch old SNL in a long time. And uh, when I was listening to your episode with Mark Hallworth and just talking about SNL and all those characters, because then he was hitting on Daryl Hammond and I'm like, oh, God, he was so good, too. But I, I also wanted to pick a female because I'm like, who are my, the people that influenced me? And uh, and then obviously there's the Catherine O'Hara, but she wasn't necessarily on SNL. But she I was supposed to be. Of, was she supposed to be? She was supposed to be. She was hired in like 81 or 82. And what happened? There was a writer strike. Oh. Uh, and she went she, home. She went home. She went home to Canada. Yeah. Oh, God. But then That's she hosted it, like, yeah. in the 90s. And okay. the episode's really fun. Imagine that would have changed so much. It would have been so, yeah, Delightful. so weird. So different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, Catherine Harris. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> She's wonderful. But, all right so what starts the move so you, you go to school for drama and then you have that I we're gonna say epiphany you know let's just do acting let's do comedy i assume you, you went to the uh university of windsor windsor university yep. and then you you're currently in toronto so yes bridge that gap how do we get to toronto i just wanted to be in a bigger city i don't think i kind of like admitted to myself like oh i want to pursue comedy it was like Oh, maybe I'll get that marketing job or get into like it's bigger city. Then I'll have uh, more opportunities for that serious job. Um, But then on the side, I was like, okay, then I can do some second city classes and like do some improv. Um, And then that's, that's exactly what I did. I went to a um, drop in improv class at second city and I was like, this is fun. So then I signed up for improv level a, um, and I was living alone at that time. And then I moved into a house of like five people. And then I think that became like an animal house situation uh, pretty quickly when I was 23, 24. Um, but I was also living with a comedian. 
and their name is Aisha Alpha, and she has gone on to do wonderful things in LA. Like she's been in, um, she was recently in a movie with uh, Elizabeth Olsen that is on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called though. Um, but yeah, then she she's a pal. And, or sorry for your loss. That's what it's called. And I I love her to pieces. And but I think at the same time I was sort of just like exploring Toronto, being a young person in Toronto. And I was like, oh, she's got the comedy thing covered. I, I just want to like not be the other comedian in the house. And I think I was intimidated by just like her um, doing that. And I was scared. I was truly like fearful of putting myself out there to be vulnerable in the comedy world and knowing that she was in it. I was like, you know what, maybe it's just not for me. Like, I'm not as funny as her. I like probably just talk myself out of doing something that I think I really would have enjoyed. And I put off um, enrolling in like uh, improv B to E because it's a yeah A to E sort of situation at the, at the second city. Um, and not like that's totally on me. And I feel like I lost a little bit of time there, but mm -hmm. at the same time it was good times. And, um, but before it was like 2018 and I was just like, fuck it. I'm doing all the comedy. I'm, I know I need to do this or else I'm wasting what I feel like is this time in Toronto and something that truly brings me joy. So then I just like crushed the improv program and then I auditioned for the conservatory program, got into that. And then I did three levels and then the pandemic. And I was also like kind of sick for a little bit of time. I have lupus. And so then I was in a flare and just had like a really low moment. And then we went right into the pandemic and coming out of it, uh, coming out of it, meaning like places opening up in Toronto again. Um, I went back to Second City. We were doing masked improv. And I was like, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> Not <laughs> this is in comedy, but masked improv. <laughs> and did you I, done, like, I mean, yeah. we, we fast forward a bit. Did you do we any did. improv and stuff like with college before like you do the drop it? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, Second City's in Toronto and, and it's looming large there. Mm -hmm. It was just so, in my university classes. So just it, it wasn't yeah. like... I didn't do any, there was no, um, not that I knew of or sought out. So there's no um, like college improv club that you did or. No. Although apparently, I, like, I don't know if it's so much in like, you know, the Windsor area, but I keep hearing about like this, like Canadian, like high school improv competition. <laughs> and Wish it's... I knew about it. Wish I could do that. <laughs> it like, boggles that's my sick. mind. Like... Oh, like in high school, I loved drama class. I loved improv. Like it was, it was the best. Um. And, but I didn't know of any other sort of extracurricular, there was like the, the, the Sears Fest or something where it was like, write your own play, student play. Um, my friend had like written a play, but I wasn't in it. I, I don't know. Like fear does a lot of wild shit for people. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's an Ontario thing or if it's like a Prairies thing mm. that a lot of the people that I've talked to about it were more like Alberta based. Mm -hmm. And they need stuff to do out there, so it's whatever. Um, so okay, so you go to like, and you basically just gobble up improv once you, yeah, you you do a, you wait a little longer, mm -hmm. and then and then just go straight through. I did a voice acting class, and then I was going to like some jams, and then I was just like, okay, now we're in it, and then it was like we're we're not in it at all for two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's it has to be wild to like, you know, to dive in so deeply. And I, I mean, we all experience this, but like to dive in so deeply and then just a hard stop mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. 
because I'm sure there was even a time where like Second City hadn't adjusted to like, hey, there's this thing called Zoom. Hey, there's we can do teaching this way. Hey, we can Mm -hmm. like. Well, that's when the big chick energy thing came in just so clutch because we had that show and then two weeks later the world shut down. But we continued to uh, connect over Zoom and that's when we, oh my God, if you go into our YouTube, there's like the beginnings of like uh, our Zoom content or um, online digital content. And like, you can tell we're like, oh, no one has ever touched iMovie before. <laughs> These are brutal, um, but like still, still fun. And it, it was great for our mental health. And then we started, uh, I started a podcast called You Gotta Laugh. And it was just like improv podcasts. And then Big Chick had a podcast, like everyone and their mothers had podcasts. So, so all right. So let's, let's talk about Big Chick. Um, mm. How does Big Chick get started? How did the group of you become a Voltron of sketch comedy? Like, we met in the Second City Conservatory program. Okay. A few of us were in the like levels, I don't know, B to E uh, improv together myself so there were a group of you that yeah just yeah did you do it together like consciously like hey let's the three of us keep going and take the same class together or just randomly just keep showing up to each other's like oh you're here too cool it was because we got into the conservatory program so myself joanne tacorda sam sexton and uh emily milling and then there's julia jones that we uh that emily had known but julia wasn't in the second city uh sphere sphere with us um but so those those core four we all got into the conservatory program uh auditioned at the same time just after our final level of improv together and so when we were in uh conservatory we were like why don't we just like start our own thing to do outside of this class and that's how that happened and yeah so and when this is rough is this like this is the march, beginning of 2020 uh, yeah like, so like right january away. january february march okay. uh 2020 and then it was like sweet <laughs> you're never gonna <laughs> see the stage for a while <laughs> what was that first show that was uh it was called like weird flex or something and there was three acts we were one of them and it was a blast and we only had four of the five of us again i don't think joanne was in that that uh show but or some will say if joanne's yep. not involved how do you even find out about like this particular thing? How do you get onto this show for yourselves? Oh, Emily, she, she was, she knows so many people she, okay. and uh, she had uh, contacts or who were producing the show. I think she was even one of the producers of the show uh, because we knew a couple other troops. And so we're like, Hey, let's three troops. Let's go. Let's just put something up. Because like, That's the one thing that I'm like, struggling with with some of the things here in philadelphia and and in general like i always think that it's great to have that first show experience because how do you get that first show as a new team how do you because like i've gone through like the comedy writing classes here in philadelphia you know the one theater they don't talk about that at all like you're very the, true. I, I think about any comedy that I've done, like there's no like how to produce a show. Which is, I mean, I, I, I this will probably go before then, but like Toronto's actually doing a seminar. I saw that. Yeah. How to, pro- how to produce a show. And I'm like, and it's, uh, what's thank his God. Name? Yes. It's, uh, Tom Hearn. Tom Hearn. Oh my God. Yeah, like, I was like, thank God someone's doing it. Because they had, a, they had about a, a, time. <laughs> they had one a couple months ago about teching a show. And oh. I was like, 
everyone needs to know this too. Why isn't everyone in this? What's a tech sheet? You're like Andrea did a fantastic job. Like, and I, I, I want to bring her to Philadelphia to like teach this to like my like the new students here in Philadelphia. Like, take her model and then do it. Or she's got to do more. (laughs) But yeah, that that first that first show for the you know big for big chick um what's the like the process for you 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 have a show it's mm-hmm. beginning of march in the room what are you guys doing ooh okay well i mean to, to, to emily again she's like our admin person <laughs> Which you need. As in, which we need. She's like that driver, kind of like she'll connect, communicate with the tech people because she has that in her uh, like toolkit of being somebody like her business name is like the ultimate creative. And she's literally <laughs> the ultimate creative. Um, and like even doing her web series with her, like she's somebody that I was like blown away by because um, she knows everything about cameras. She knows everything uh, like even like film photography lighting like she was she is this jack of all trades and so uh she connect i believe it was her that connected with the venue um to just understand like okay when do you need the tech buy uh what is even possible in your sound slash tech booth what kind of like can we bring a is it a usb one like you're using your own laptop mm-hmm. or are we bring in our own um and we try to keep it like to a a normal amount of sound effects and stuff. Actually, I don't even think there were sound effects in that show. So uh, it was very, very basic. Um, But she would be that like front runner person to organize that. And which was like incredible to me because I'm just like, I'm letting you run with it. But now having done a few good few shows, um, it's nice to just be like, okay, we're super organized. Boom. Here's your tech sheet even a week before. And with a, we had a show back just in December and we really gave ourselves, you know, three solid months to prepare um, as this was our first time all on stage together in a long time. Um, And just doing shows in the past, it can get a little intense, like with everyone's working, everyone has other things going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, And it can be a lot on the mental plate so we were like let's try to do this as like delicately as possible um and especially coming out of the pandemic everyone's mental space is fucking weird so taking that into consideration we're just like let's go at this from like a slow uh healthy (laughs) self-care sort of place and we did that so successfully and we had a really awesome show and it was so awesome to just uh i don't know just be in front of folks again and hear hear laughs and yeah, those are, I think, on YouTube too, but not all of them. <laughs> Anyhow, um, it's just neat to see how this process has grown over time. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about it. Like, Big Chick Energy becomes a thing, we'll say January 2020. First show, March 2020, where it kind of, like, it might feel like, at least from my perspective of listening to you, you got a show, we have to put together a show. Like, so you have that, like, two-month mm-hmm. time, okay. roughly, to pick, you know, the, what mm-hmm. you want to do. And then the world stops, and you're stuck with online content and, you know, making Zoom movies, which I, I'm going to say, it, in 2023, if I never see a Zoom movie ever again or a Zoom short economy sketch or whatever based on Zoom, I'm happy. I, yeah. I'll, I, it got us through. Come on. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'm signing <laughs> We're over off of now. that. Like, yeah. uh, so... 
how does that such a long layoff first i mean first off how do you stay together with such a long layoff and how do you continue to do work and get stuff to get like mm-hmm. when comedy is basically a standstill for everybody i think we or, did it or like or like when the pandemic it's all planning stage yeah yeah and then digital short well I think it, we came at it from like, I think we all need this for our mental health. Uh, it was good to meet every other Friday for uh, podcast reasons. We were doing like podca- um, like improv, ugh, improv online. <laughs> like just saying it, I'm like, God, it was fucking awful. Like <laughs> just the delays, like nothing is clicking. Even you and I reading that like in unison bit in that sketch, I'm just like, yeah. We're, we're trying to lock eyes to be like. I know. <laughs> And I just, you get that like kind of like, uh, it's like a, like even coming out of Zoom tonight, I'm like, oh, this is giving me like mid pan vibes. <laughs> <laughs> but I also still do love that we were able to do that and that like held us over uh, for the time being to get to um, the quote unquote yeah. post pandemic coming out of it into the live again. But um, we mainly would just like meet online once a week. Like what are some funny premises everybody has? And at that time, like I personally was just so fresh to even being, to even understanding that I had four other brains that wanted to do comedy in life. Like I, I, that to me is like just such a, a, a fun gift. Like I, I didn't have any like comedy people in my life like people that were pursuing acting like yes I was in an acting program but I wasn't like with the actors who are you know talking to themselves in the hallway yeah like pursuing a stage life career so for people that were like okay this thing that is like the dumbest most mundane thing like how do I put this on stage and you're just like god it's thank you for being so weird and wonderful um so, it, it, it's I, such a weird thing when you talk to like and I I use this word and it's totally not the like the, What's the, the word, context Josh? that's supposed to be of <laughs> civilians. Like when I get this dumb idea and I'm giggling to myself at this dumb idea and I explain it to someone. Do you see? Like <laughs> Do you see? yeah. You know, a civilian's like, what are you talking about, you weirdo? But like if I talk to one of my counter friends, like, oh yeah, I, t- I totally can see what you're doing there. Like, yeah, let's figure this out. Like mm-hmm. it's so helpful. And there's, and there's such a beautiful process there. And uh so I think I, I I came into this big chick grouping of like-minded weirdos as someone so green to even the thought that I would like want to pursue this as something that could I could do forever, uh, and so it was just so it was so great to 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 just band together that way, and we were all in the pandemic mindset of like, what the fuck is happening? But like, we're really gonna, like no one wanted to like jet from the troop or like put a hard pause on it and then come back at a later date. It was like, we feel like there's something cooking here. Um, and we all we all stuck around and you can tell through, oh my God, our like, I don't know, 10, 15 videos on YouTube. Like the growth is like kind of exponential. And then mm. I got a, I got a camera and was like okay wow this looks way better than chopping together something on zoom yeah <laughs> like i want to say there's there's a there's a sketch called trivia on there where i i like the premise is like so dumb like it's it was just literally a joke about 
an inspector. Oh God, I can't even, you have to watch it. <laughs> it's so dumb, Josh. And like, I look back at that and go, that just got me through that day <laughs> of like, I think this is funny. They supported it. And we're willing to sit with me on Zoom for an hour and a half and go over these awful lines. Script made no sense. And it was just reference after reference to Jim Carrey movies in a script, like just dumb. <laughs> but I loved it. And I still do because it's just like so poorly edited. And it's a Zoom conversation chopped up like, oh, but it's it's some it's art. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's like maybe not go that far. No, it's art. certainly not art. It's not. <laughs> it was the beginnings of maybe art in the future. And I'm still there. <laughs> so how would you describe to someone who's never seen a Big Chick Energy show, Big Chick Energy, any any material that's come out from you all, mm-hmm. how would you describe your like specific brand of comedy? Well, certainly uh, female perspectives as you would expect from the name, uh, a little political, we're all working professionals, uh, we're certainly colorful, we love a little fab, um, <laughs> costumes, it's, it's, it, it is high energy. Uh, I would just say that, yeah, it's the name, we were just commenting on it yesterday, we were like, Joanne, like, I believe she thought of the name, um, and obviously it's take on big dick energy, uh, but yeah, it's just that it's, it's loud. And it's just like, like forthright. Is that even a word? I don't even know. But yeah, it it is. It is that we're just like, gloves are off. This is, this is what we want to say. And some of it is just like nonsense. Like it's, we find that like stupid humor is, (laughs) we love just silliness. And so we're like, okay, we're all like 30 plus just playing pretend. And it, uh, it's going to hit with some people. It's going to not hit with some people, but I think I hopefully hits with most and uh, it's fun. It's just, it's vibrant. I want to say. So what was the first experience of getting back on stage for y'all when like pandemics open venues are reopening up there? Mm-hmm. What's that first experience like for you? It, it was in December. Uh, our first show uh, that the five of us were in together was just incredibly joy-filled because the, the process, like I said before, was like uh, um, slow but po- uh, poignant in how we mm. um, put our material together and a little mix of like online rehearsals, in-person rehearsals and space. So we felt confident and it was a, uh, it was like the start of something else too. Like because of the two years that we had just been online, like, and getting to know each other during a pandemic. Um, because yeah, we only had, I think a couple of uh, terms together at second city and then conservatory. Um, but we like, I mean, in that setting, you're not like bonding, like deep down shit yeah. of like friendships, right? Like you're kind of like colleagues at that point. And so then going through just life, uh, in and around a pade- uh, pandemic and then coming out of it, we're like, okay, we, we've certainly bonded. Um, and now we're fine tuning our process and pitching, uh, punching up, revising, editing, 
all of all of that stuff and it really came together for our show um in december and so that's why we're so jazzed about uh sketch fest because then we have 30 minutes to either bring back some old stuff or rework some stuff and also to bring some new stuff to the stage um as this kind of new post pandemic not i hate post because it's fucking still happening and like the hospitals are a mess but alas um like we hope it's a little a little electric you know we do the thing uh, of a, a better word than post pandemic like because we're, we're we're gonna be living through this for the rest of our lives like yeah like, i guess like, like pre-2020 like <laughs> there's something in there that you mentioned about the idea of colleagues versus mm-hmm. you know the bonding that you experience with like and that interests me because like there's a part of me that thinks like the same way as as we mentioned with your sketch like i can argue both ways of writer being in the sketch mm-hmm. versus writer standing back and directing and i can argue both ways of co-workers in a sense in a sketch comedy team versus this really like tight-knit bonded friendship mm-hmm. and i can't decide uh, that's always my problem is i i can never decide you know well i can for certain things but like i can argue both ways with how i'd want to be i get that um i think with us it's like like yes we are friends but like do we hang out one-on-one outside of big chick uh sometimes not all the time though like we're kind of in this like it's like a troop friendship i don't know like we are still like close friends, but we all still do have like other groups of friends. Like we're right, not... and, I, and I think that's part of like one of my mistakes of the first like sketch team that I had was like mm. I want these people to be my best friends ever, and like you know the guys would have been like my my groomsmen at my eventual wedding or whatever, like you know that kind yeah. of energy. Right, right. But that might not have been the best energy to go with. Yeah, and I think that's a learning process right like uh i think we all have very similar goals in that we want to learn from one another and we'll express that and like i guess feedback and critiquing one another uh we like to really kind of be very clear in terms of communication uh in how we deliver that and it's like we will run our sort of like writer's room so to speak in sort of like a professional way if I can say that like as opposed to just like we're shooting the shit uh but like I remember okay so maybe I don't know if you know this person's name but uh uh, Kirsten Rasmussen she's like a yeah okay heavy hitter amazing person uh improviser actor in Toronto and she we got her online during the pandemic uh one time to do some like coaching Mm. because we were kind of like we're not sure like what our voice is as a collective little troop here. Like what do we want to express? And I think like finding your own individual comedic voice takes time and understanding of one's own heart, mind, soul. Um, And so mid pan just being the weird time that it was, it was really cool to have uh, Kirsten just be like, you know, you guys need to just like chill the fuck out. <laughs> and I think you guys need to go bowling or something or just like have a fun night together because you're really like uh work 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 work. Yeah. And and so that was like we didn't see that coming. <laughs> and so then we went 
to uh, Ontario Place, which is like just like a little outdoor thing where you can have like a little bonfire. And we had this sort of socially distanced hangout purposefully to just hang out and not do anything comedy related. And then what did we do when we were at Ontario Place? Which oh, we filmed a sketch uh, like, and it just came naturally in the moment. So I think like we were totally overthinking. Uh, and there was certainly that pressure in the pandemic to like, stay relevant in the scene by putting out your digital content. And I hated that pressure. Like I didn't, I didn't uh, enjoy that sort of um, expectation of like, Oh, if you're not on a podcast or like, if you're not actively doing the thing that you were doing pre 2020 March, then like, what are you doing? You know, like, and that's also storytelling in our own, our own heads. So. Uh, but at the same time, really it's funny because there are certain people in certain groups i'm like are they still around because i haven't seen anything from them since like one mm-hmm. of the, the joys of seeing the lineup of you know for toronto sketch Fest was oh they're still together oh they're still oh they're still a thing they're still a thing cool i don't know awesome. what that is at all like yeah. i know that name but i've never seen that name by themselves oh they're doing a solo thing oh that's weird okay what what's happening like mm-hmm. so it, it, it's weird to see like that neck this what comedy's coming into in 2022 2023 of like mm-hmm. of all of us coming out of this yeah yeah i'm curious as to like what the content's gonna be like what are we talking about now and like we just all went through this like fairly heavy uh recent history past and like are we still talking about the same things that we were before or like what have we learned what are we taking with us um and i think for me uh, being back in the Second City Conservatory program, and I, like I, I expressed to my teacher, I'm like, I, my I'm not confident as a writer, and I really want to hone in on my own individual views, perspectives, um, to develop like a stronger POV. And I was working, or my my instructor right now, and I don't know if you know this name, uh, Alistair Forbes, uh, yeah. and he was recently producing or like maybe directing ish uh somebody who i really love her name is laura ramoso and she has just like blown up on tiktok blown up on instagram uh and i love her not only is she six foot one (laughs) (laughs) and uh, doing some tall person content but yeah they are also like an improv troupe together so i'm just like oh my god alice Forbes, like you're working with laura ramoso (laughs) like i really want to do well in this second city term so that I hope that'll be helpful and like and moving forward can have some like I'm I'm usually the one that's like oh like I have a sketch like we could maybe read it whereas maybe the other gals are like I've been working on something for a while you know and I'm I'm a little more like holding back in terms of like what I want to put forward because I don't I'm still working on like my confidence I think as a writer and performer even though if you saw me do improv you'd be like oh She'd be doing this for years. I'm like, oh, I'm still terrified. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the conservatory program. Like, because uh, Second City is not a thing basically here on the East Coast. Like here in America, it's yeah. Chicago. There might still be one in Detroit. I don't remember. I think it is moving to New York this summer. I think there's going to be a new, but the conservatory, when you, you say you did the conservatory program before COVID mm-hmm. started and you're back, back in. in are yeah. you is it, is it redoing that same like are so you taking it over six, again as a like sharpening your skills relearning the bicycle like how is this working 
So it's six terms, and before the pandemic, I did one to three. And what it's mainly Wait, focused... hold on. Oh. There's A through E of improv classes, okay, and then you get go. into conservatory, and then yeah. there's another six terms? Money what grab! Kind no, of, okay. What kind of <laughs> Nexium cult? This is it. Yes, okay. It is. And it's I heard, so I heard in that Mal Carl Holworth episode that you were like a cult person. So I was oh like, my God, he's so going to pick up on the Second City cult. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's well, a comedy first machine. Off, we all know. Yeah. Improv comedy, sketch comedy, all of these comedy theaters do have some form of cultish behavior. Let's let's throw that there to begin with. It's a known fact. Don't. And anyone who disagrees is Jim Jones himself. Like. Yeah, they're the ones not wanting to drink the Kool Aid, but there's like, have six a good time. levels in the conservatory program. That's yeah, that feels like a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so uh, one to three is very like okay, like you're an improviser. We're gonna really fine tune your improv skills, and then we're gonna bring in premise prov. So you're gonna improvise some of your premises uh, at live shows. We're gonna give you two shows. And we're going to see if they have legs kind of thing. And the whole goal is to eventually have an hour and a half show that you present on the Second City main stage. That's how they like love to market it. And I don't want to be shitting on Second City, but there's a lot I could say. Uh, <laughs> um, but they certainly, I feel, are getting their act together. The post a little 2020 nonsense that. Anyway, moving on. Um it's the second city way that they really drill yeah. down, right? Um, and so they need six terms for it. <laughs> and they have a new facility, and so registration's gone up, and it's a bit dear. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I, I knew, like, you know, from the history of comedy, like, the idea of the, sketch, the second city model is improving your way to a sketch. Like, you know, anytime I've... Like, I basically have a rule, like, anytime I go to Chicago, if, you know, the three or four times I've gone through, I have to see something at Second City Theater. And, you know, it's always, you know, the the real show. And then, hey, we're going to do some improv for you for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> You're welcome. And it's just, like, like, this dude just dicking around trying to figure out this character that he's created. Like, yeah, and it's not working for me. Like, no! I mean, again, comedy nerd, comedy dork. But, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's so much the conservatory. I know, and then it's also like, oh, if you don't get into the conservatory, um, don't be surprised. It's very hard to get in. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, have you seen your new facility? You're letting everybody in. <laughs> like, it's. I mean, I'm learning a lot, and I'm grateful to have had the experience that I've had there. Um, but I. I just, I just don't believe that anything, any, any class should be, you know, the cost of more than <laughs> what it used to be, which was three twenty-five. <laughs> I just remember the first time I took a county rank class. My dad's like, "Are you getting college credit for this?" I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" No, <laughs> like, I'm not. I gotta work. Uh, wait, like, uh, well, parents I gotta work not at, understand. Yeah, no. I am getting another job to pay for my comedy classes. So. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. I know. That, there's going to be a little multi-level marketing, too. It's not just cult. There's little MLM. Um, okay, so you are tiptoeing your way through the six levels of conservatory. Yeah, I uh, had a... <laughs> 
uh, when I went back in March, like I, so, okay. So a few of the girls from big chick, they continued on doing the second city conservatory. It was Emily, uh, Sam and Joanne were all back in it. I was there and I was like, Hey ladies, like I'm going to bow out. So I said, see you later. I loved my one class, but I don't want to do masked improv. And I had just finished a 200 hour, like yoga teaching certificate. I went real introvert <laughs> during the pan. And, uh, I was like, this is like kind of like too much for me. And I also would love to see faces when I'm improvising. Um, and it was at their like, kind of like satellite site, which was very different from their current, like yeah. beautiful new building. So I'm like, if I'm paying top dollar, like I will wait for that fucking facility. Like, <laughs> I'm not about to hear what's going on in the foyer. What's going on in another class. Give me a soundproof wall. Come on. <laughs> Just give me a wall. Yeah. Like, so now I'm with like a totally new group of folks and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> let's okay, so that's interesting. I, I mean, again, but like everyone else in in Big Chick did it together. And now you're off on your own I know. with new people. How does that feel? It feels lovely. It's just it's nice to just uh meet other folks and hear their you know, thoughts on comedy, the world, uh, different perspectives. Um, and I've been loving it. We had our first show together and this, and like this, this crew that I'm with, uh, had done, oh my God, all the conservatory one to three online. And then this was their first time like meeting in person to do it in, in person. And so we had our first show and like, we, we did really well. We just threw up some premises and it was fun. And we were all like connecting and, yeah, it's like a jam band and I live for that feeling of like oh we're on stage we don't know where things are going and oh look at your baseline holy shit um <laughs> so it was good and it felt nice to to do that outside of big chick you know mm. so yeah but no improv online <laughs> no I draw the line <laughs> yeah I, I heard a bunch of people are like yeah, we we tried to do a sketch show on Zoom. It didn't work. They paid surprised. us okay, but it didn't work. Like, and I don't want to be like a curmudgy mudge, but I just um, I know the feel. Yeah, you know the feeling of the, the interpersonal connection, and you're like, I, I, it's a solid substitute for the time being, but only in isolation will I dabble on the Zoom comedy. Um, we did. We I think we did. Uh, did we do a show? I don't even know if we did a show but we were doing our improv podcast. And I remember like maybe three months after like the episodes were online, we were all like, Hey, let's all take that down. Let's, let's hide those videos. <laughs> like, I think some of us might be like looking for other jobs and I can't, I can't have that on there. <laughs> so, so that improv. Oh, it was is, just is like dead. It's like... dead. I'm, I think we're all kind of like happy about it. <laughs> like, again, yeah. Yeah, it, it probably serves a purpose to a certain extent. And it's a very personal purpose. <laughs> but now, yeah, we, we don't need this anymore. We, we can just get rid not of our it. best. We weren't in our best like mindsets. Like, I mean, we were probably just like some sad chicks. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we're just different chicks. And I think like coming out of it, we're like, okay, we're a little more grounded in this uh, this space again. So that feels better. When when you perform in Toronto, when where do you generally perform? Like with Big Check. Uh, so the last couple shows we were at like um, the Staircase Theater, or sorry, yeah. Red Sandcastle, um, little fifty-person theater. 
I think the girls did one at Elma Combo. I wasn't a part of that. Um, SoCap, um, we do a couple there. And then I was also involved with um, the Assembly, which is like another kind of like theater group, uh, mainly improv, like school of improv, I guess we'll call it. Um, and so that I took that kind of as a lead up, like to improv, like improv 101, 201, kind of two levels of improv, like to just kind of like brush up before our, my second city conservatory a little mm. return um which was super helpful and then and they have a show at the end of each uh term at comedy bar and so that's right near my house i'm at bloor dufferin and it's just 10 minute walk and so I, oh i guess i should have said earlier when it was like you know uh toronto comedy so not only was i attending like aisha's shows constantly and she's a stand-up so uh, lots of stand-up and i did dabble in stand-up i had like maybe like two three shows and i was like that's terrifying uh need to work on my writing again but um watched the Skechersons every Sunday for probably too long of a period and maybe I was drinking too much because it was just so fun yeah. <laughs> to go to their shows and so that was those were like a like Sunday night sketch Sunday night live they called it yeah it was- when um oh shoot I talked to from the Skechersons last year where I was just like I can't that that's too much work like oh you had Emily Richardson yeah. Eric Gellert yeah like I oh. thought that there was more uh like it felt even more compressed than like the, what you hear of the snl sketch schedule like i don't know how they did it it it, it sounded mind-boggling to me but and i also I wish we had something like that down here <laughs> or at least like bi-weekly because I, I like i don't know how they did it weekly and then like you know it was always a party afterwards i'm like damn yeah. like i don't i don't i was spending way too much just indulging yeah <laughs> yeah uh so yeah, what what do you see Big Chick Energy doing now that we're on stages again? Just regular shows, I think. Like just the fact that that is even an option is really cool, and and just being a part of Sketchfest is like a huge thing for us as a uh, as a troupe that's kind of like had been pre-established pre-pan, but then now like the name is kind of getting around. Like I had somebody come up to me after like I was doing an improv duo tournament last week with Emily Milling uh, of Big Chick and then people were like oh where are you performing like where can we see you I'm like uh that's so cool of you to say first of all uh (laughs) B we're a part of Big Chick Energy and so like I don't know we might even have like non-family and friends be at our shows (laughs) you know like that would be wild I mean, that's the dream, just to have a stranger come and be like, well, that was funny. <laughs> the next part of the call is making sure, making your friends and family pay money. Like, Yeah. Actually, I have this voucher for Second City if you'd like to <laughs> get only 10% off chicken wings. Oh, God. Is there a piece of Canadian pop culture you would necessarily, like, maybe not something huge that has come down, like Chits Creek or, you know, something that's already taken over. Is there something Canadian that you would recommend to an American to search out? Oh, man. Like, what's coming to my head right now is, like, mid-2000s Our Lady Peace, and that's music. So I can't even, like... <laughs> Music's <laughs> fine. Like, I'm okay, okay with music. Oh, God. But, like, don't look at their new stuff. Um, that's a really great question, and I didn't finish your episode with Mark, so I didn't hear that. <laughs> um, Canadian. I'm honestly just thinking of, like, stand-ups and... Go for uh, it. Well, um, a friend, Mo Ismail, like he's just, uh, I knew him through a friend and 
he's kind of been like uh blowing up a little bit he was in an osmos commercial during fifa like he's getting his and um he just put out a comedy album called homeroom habibi and it's fucking hilarious and mo ismail i think is just a stellar comedian and he gave me my first opportunity to do stand-up at one of his shows called mo funny mo problems and i just want to like you know plug him and (laughs) salute to him because he was like hey yeah like i think you'd you do a solid like stand-up and i would love to put you on a show and i was like really like when people see things like even though you you like you wouldn't say it out loud of like i'd love to do stand-up one day he was just like you ever thought about doing stand-up and i'm like I mean, like, I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say Mo Ismail. Check him out. All right. Uh, okay. As we're wrapping up here, yes, uh, same yes. two questions, get deeper. You've listened to something, so I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. First off, I mean, and you mentioned multiple times that you feel you still feel relatively new, still relatively green the whole process. Yeah. But what's something that you've learned through your process of sketch comedy mm. that you would give to a new writer? make mistakes like and don't lose your mind over a sketch like uh just I think like the process and having deadlines of like okay we're going to be pitching this night uh refining reworking this night kind of thing like those of putting yourself out there for people to uh, give you feedback or criticize like so much resistance was felt during uh moments of of those uh that that part of the process but like I love it now I'm just like you know what I'm gonna come with what I have and throw at me whatever you got and I think just feedback and criticism uh it gets a bad rap but it's actually just so incredibly helpful not only as a writer but as uh, a person who's just learning to communicate with others in the world civilians um but you know just I think it's a beautiful thing to just share ideas and opinions um and so I think that has just been a joy to be back in comedy and to hear different thoughts <laughs> because I mean with the pandemic it was a lot of our own thoughts and that of the media blah 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 um so yeah there's a lot of content out there that we scroll through constantly but to have that uh conversation about digging deeper into your perspective I, I think is a good one and, and also being able to like accept someone else's perspective on something that you've brought to them like 100 like it's so refreshing compared to Mm -hmm. like i think just to be able to say yes and to be able to say that works better than my thought as opposed to you know digging heels in being a stubborn sally and just saying i like my thing like you know give a little give a little yeah Mm -hmm. and finally we've touched on this a couple times too Growing up as a drama kid, going to college, studying drama, but not necessarily performing as much as you want to. Why is it now as an adult that you've gone back in and like sunk in, dig your heels in as, you know, a stubborn Sally, as you said, with comedy? Like, why has comedy become such this big part of your life? I think in my regular life of not being involved in comedy, I'd be performing in some way, shape or another as a person, um, as we all kind of have different identities throughout the days, throughout our uh, lives as multiple people in one, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And um, I think having done or just 
put myself in a vulnerable state of like improv, um, the joy that is felt to let go of the mind. And I love drawing parallels because I'm also like a yoga nerd of improv and yoga to like let, let the mind just be. And I think there's such joy in that. And I love living in that space of being in just like that present moment. And so as an improviser, um, I just want to be in that more and, and be in that space where you're creating together. And I don't play, I, I, I dabble in guitar, but uh, growing up, like my brother was always a solid bass player. He had a band and like the drum kit was always at our house for his drummer. And so I'd be on drums, my brother would be on bass and I got to like taste and experience what it was to jam with somebody. And so that to me was like a contagious feeling. Not that I could like, I didn't, you know, pursue music, but I find that feeling in improv and in performing with the girls and just being on stage. And so I think I just became hungry for that when, uh, like I, I, I know I mentioned it just briefly, but like I, there was a period where I, I was really sick and I was just like, if I have to go through like lupus flares in my life, like I wanna make sure that what I'm doing in life um, supports joy and supports like a part of myself that um, feels electric. Yeah. because like yeah going through periods of like immobility like I get severe like arthritis stuff like that I'm like when I can move I want to move and I want to feel and that's the best place for it and so that is my little like I want to make sure I do what I love it's one of my like recurring rants about life in general is like I don't understand how like the police procedural the crime, like, like NCIS, you know, here in America, NCIS, the FBI shows, all of those kind of things. Fuck. How are they so popular? Because it's propaganda. Instead of something that's <laughs> joyful and funny and tries like, to bring make back you laugh. whose line is it anyway? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah, like, why the hell is um? What's that doctor show with the young kid who's the doctor? Like. Why is any that on of those TV? Doctor shows. Like, yeah. How many the doctor good shows doctor. do you need? Like I know. Yeah. Why can't we bring joy into our like six to ten uh, evening <laughs> pops and doctors <laughs> all the time? <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. Thank you, Josh. Alicia and the rest of Big Chick Energy will be performing at the Sunday Funnies at the Rivoli on Sunday, February 26th at 7 p.m. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Big Chick Energy will be performing two shows at Toronto Sketchfest first on Thursday, March 9th with Chelsea Larkin at 8 p.m. and Friday, March 10th with Acuna Acuna at 7 p.m. Both those shows are at the BMO Incubator at Theatre Center. For more information, go to BigChickEnergySketch.com. Follow them on Instagram at Big Chick Energy Sketch. You can like Big Chick Energy on Facebook at facebook.com slash Big Chick Energy Sketch. And they also have a YouTube channel at, you guessed it, youtube.com slash Big Chick Energy Sketch. I mentioned it in passing during our chat. Toronto Sketchfest is hosting a webinar, How to Produce a Sketch Show, 
on Wednesday, February 22nd at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm sure there will be a lot of Toronto-centric information in terms of venues, but plenty of universal truth that should be helpful to anyone getting started with sketch comedy. Go to torontosketchfest.com for more information on that. Don't forget, Sketchybator will be live and in person on Sunday, February 19th at 2 p.m. at Tattooed Mom at 5th and South Street. We'll be upstairs. Grab a drink. Grab a snack. Grab your sketches. And we'll read some sketches. Sketchybator.com for all the info. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow the Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.